Welcome to Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry, a podcast dedicated to changing the way women eat to lose weight so they can feel their hottest. I'm your host, Lauren Hubert, former fad dieter turned registered dietitian. Each week, I'll share all of my favorite healthy eating tips and swaps, help you through frustrations on your journey, and show you the science behind losing weight. Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry is here to make weight loss simple, fun, and easy to stick to for life. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry. Today is a very fun episode because it is the first time we are doing the new series I am kicking off on the show called Real Talk with Lauren. I wanted to do a Real Talk with Lauren series and do it consistently on the podcast for you guys to be able to submit questions, get advice from me, you know, for us to chat through anything going on in your fitness journey and bringing that conversation here because if there's something I know so deeply and so truly about nutrition, exercise, a fitness journey, the mindset transformation that has to happen for the transformation you want to see in your life, it's that you're not alone. I know how isolating it can be and going back to my roots when I think about the beginning of my fitness journey, I felt so alone. Of course, logically knew other people might be struggling with their weight or their confidence, but when it really came to my own journey, I really felt isolated. I didn't feel like I had a community. I didn't feel like other people could possibly feel the exact way that I did because I was so insecure and I was keeping a lot of that information private. And that's why, of course, inside of our programs, I love the community and the connection that we have. Of course, me with my clients, me with you guys in the community, and of course, you know, you guys getting to know one another as well. But what I love about the podcast and just the podcasting space in general is it really gives us a chance to connect. And, you know, I, I for so many years now, I've done the Q&As, weekly Q&As, ask me anything on my Instagram story, of course, posting on social media, you know, very consistently for you guys and, you know, being able to share everything I know about nutrition and create that connection and community for women who are on this journey alone and to know that your, your questions are probably very similar to other people's questions. But I wanted to start a new series and I've been thinking about this for a while because I know when you guys ask questions, you love getting answers and advice and tips and feedback. But I also think this series is so much deeper than just answering questions. It's also letting you know you're not alone because so many of the struggles that you are facing on your fitness journey, whether it's mindset, whether it's being able to hit your calories, whether it's not knowing what to eat, whether it's feeling really stuck, whether it's you know feeling so off track, maybe it's taking that first step and getting started. It could literally be anything on your fitness journey that has either set you back or is a roadblock or a barrier right now in this moment. I want you to know that that roadblock or barrier, you obviously are unique and you're a beautiful person, but so many women struggle with the same things. And that's something I've really learned. And I especially know this after 5,000 women have had incredible transformations and counting inside of our program. So this Real Talk with Lauren series is going to be so much fun. I have some awesome questions that you guys already submitted that I'm going to answer for you today. But just know that I will be sprinkling these questions into episodes at the end of episodes. And I also, similar to today, going to be doing solo episodes and bringing this Real Talk with Lauren energy. So of course, as we embark on this new series, I want to remind you that it is not too late, obviously, to submit your questions for a chance to be selected. All you have to do is go to the show notes or head to the sororitynutritionist.com backslash get slash advice. In the show notes, there's a direct link there. That way you can submit your questions, get feedback, and of course, have a chance to be featured on an episode so I can answer your question and give you advice. And I also want to ask you one huge favor, and that is if you like today's episode, 
I want to know. So whether it's leaving a rating and review, especially if you haven't already, or screenshotting this episode, tagging me on your story, or even shooting me a direct message on social media, I would love to know if you love today's episode so I can understand how you are enjoying it, what you liked about it. And of course, so I can continue on this series because of course, as a dietitian, I only want to do things that are going to help you guys out. On that note, let's get into the first question. The first question. Okay, this question was really fun. And I was like, we have to do this one first and you guys will see. So the question I got was, this is very specific and a somewhat silly question. I love your Chipotle order. It is so helpful. I have a screenshot of it and I pull it up whenever we end up there. My son, though, is into Taco Bell and she puts these like eyes like, oh, oh my goodness, he's a tween boy. And I want to be able to eat with him sometimes. What's a good choice for Taco Bell? I literally cannot believe I'm asking this. So I first just want to say Taco Bell is not one of those restaurants that I am personally obsessed with when I think about fast food places. Definitely like a burger and fries and chicken nugget place is kind of more my vibe versus Taco Bell. I don't know, just maybe how I grew up. But I will say when I went to college, that's when I noticed so many of my friends love Taco Bell. Literally, guys, before I went to college, I had never been to Taco Bell and then I was a vegetarian. So there was actually, I think, only one time after like a night out you know, at bars drinking with my friends that I think it was literally in like the Uber on the way home. This was a, such a long time ago. And I remember we stopped at Taco Bell and I had my like first Taco Bell moment. And it's funny because although I was drinking, I don't not remember because I was drinking, but the things I do remember from it are just like, I wasn't that impressed. And I think that's why I really don't remember it. But, you know, a lot of my clients do love Taco Bell. I've shared some posts in the past on some healthy stuff there. And the thing with Taco Bell that I'm actually surprised at when you look at the menu is you can actually make some educated choices there. Now, is this something I want you having every day? Probably not. We want to prioritize getting in really high quality foods, especially when we are in a fitness journey. But of course, when your son or someone in your family, or even after like a night out of drinking for all my younger babes out there, you know, if you are, you know, stopping at Taco Bell and you're wanting something a little bit healthier, I have six ideas for you that I have both the calories and the protein content that is really going to show you that you can be healthy at Taco Bell and you can make educated choices and I can actually fit into your diet and also help you achieve your goals. So. The first thing I would recommend is you could try a soft beef taco that is 210 calories and 10 grams of protein. You could also do a soft chicken taco for 155 calories. So doing the chicken over the beef is going to save you some on calories. And this one actually packs a little bit more protein in this serving and has 12 and a half grams of protein. Another idea too, and those are like good options for snacks, of course. Another idea you could do as well is the chicken chalupa. And I just want to say, because I've never ordered this, I can't say how delicious or good or, you know, my thoughts on it. But if you order a chicken chalupa from Taco Bell, it is only 340 calories and 16 grams of protein. So if you're trying to get a little bit of protein, get satisfied, get full, and obviously have something from there that isn't like breaking the calorie bank, I think these are all really fair options for you. Now, if you're wanting something a little bit bigger and more of like a meal because like your son is there and you're trying to get like a little bit more full, I would first recommend what about getting the veggie power menu bowl? This packs 410 calories and 12 grams of protein. It's not going to have a significant source of protein that's like high quality and, you know, really going to get you full, such as maybe like chicken. However, 
I'm sure this packs a good amount of fiber you're getting in veggies. And I really think this is a good option. Then you could just pair a protein on the side um, to bump you up to that 20 to 30 gram benchmark that we like to hit. Um, Another idea is you could do a power menu bowl with chicken. So this is 450 calories and 26 grams of protein. And I think out of all the options on the menu, when I'm thinking about a really balanced option from Taco Bell that is going to satisfy you, that is over 20 grams of protein and less than 500 calories, this power menu bowl with chicken has definitely got it going on. I think this is a really good option, especially if you're like, I want to actually sit down and have a meal versus like get like a little snack and like have to order something else later. And lastly, another idea is you could get a steak quesadilla for 520 calories and 26 grams of protein. So very similar macros and calories to the power menu bowl that has the chicken that I mentioned. This one's slightly higher in calories, but if you like steak, if you like quesadillas, I think this can also be a fabulous option for you. And my biggest tip when going out to eat and trying to stay healthy and stay balanced is really taking the time to look at the menu. I'm only talking about the calories and the protein content here, obviously, on this episode today. But at the same time, you can see the full nutrition facts at many fast food joints, and they are legally obligated to post it. So sometimes it's as simple as pulling up the menu at any restaurant that you go to, and it can really just help you make a more educated choice and also just make you have a little bit of a reality check, especially if you are trying to lose body fat. You know, calories are really important and never want clients to feel like they can't have something high calorie or it's something bad. And they're going to, you know, blow their budget because you could go over your calories one day. And there's many days that, you know, I sometimes will eat the full high fat, delicious food instead of going for the low calorie option. But especially on a fitness journey, you do have to be very mindful about what you were ordering, what is in what you were ordering. Of course, the balance of your plate, but also the calorie content. So when I'm at fast food restaurants, I of course want to think about what keeps me full but also just thinking about little tweaks and modifications you can do to save calories. A really great example of this is actually at Chick-fil-A. Their sauces are sometimes really interesting when you learn the nutrition facts. And for instance, the like traditional like Chick-fil-A sauce, I forget the exact calories off the top of my head. It's like, I think 100 or 150 or 200 or something crazy like that. But just by cutting out the sauce, you can save what, like 150 calories. So that's a really great way to still be able to just make a slight modification. And of course, sometimes you're going to have the sauce, but maybe instead of that, you're going for ketchup and just like having the awareness is so huge. So whether it's Taco Bell, whether it's Chipotle, whether it's Chick-fil-A, when you are in these moments and you're going for these really fun fast food restaurants or fast casual, look at the menu, especially if you're on a fitness journey, because it can really help you make the right choice. Okay, time for the second question for today. So this woman basically hates calorie tracking. She said, I legit loathe counting calories, Lauren. I have used my fitness pal. I know it's a good tool, but every time I start to track, it becomes obsessive. And then I feel like I'm starving myself based on a number. And then I'm like, this isn't even working and I'm getting headaches and I feel like crap. How can I track but not fall into the trap and not feel like crap, but also be mindful because I know I need to be in a calorie deficit and I know I need a tool to be able to help me get in a calorie deficit. Okay, there is so much to unpack with this question, but the first thing that's so important to understand about calorie tracking is you don't need to track your calories to see success. In fact, Tracking your calories the right way means you're fully understanding that it is a tool that you're using to change your habits. It is not a diet. And so when you feel like you have to track, that's really viewing tracking as a diet 
when in reality, tracking is not a diet. It is a way for you to understand your diet, understand the calories, but also so much more than calories, the protein, the fiber, how you're distributing your macros, your daily consistency, your weekly calorie averages. It's a really great way to understand your food choices. And especially for me as a coach and dietitian, being able to see someone's food log and just like you looking back at your food log, it's a really beautiful way to look at the food log and also see, okay, this is the calories, the macros, and all of like the specific nutrition facts. However, you can also look at what you're eating because you might see two things logged and it could be a certain amount of calories. But when you look at what you're eating, if you're having a protein bar and like a soda for lunch, like I wouldn't consider that a balanced meal despite what the macro percentages are for that meal. So it's really important first to understand that calorie tracking is totally just a tool and you have to really respect that and understand that for it to work for you and actually help you change your eating habits. The second thing I want to talk about here is it becomes obsessive and I feel like I'm starving myself based on a number. When tracking becomes obsessive or tracking becomes something not positive because every time you track, you find you're not eating enough, typically what happens is you're not eating enough and the macros and the calorie number that you probably have set is lower than what your body needs. Because in your message, I know you mentioned it becomes obsessive. I feel like I'm starving myself. I'm getting headaches. I feel like crap. And this makes a huge red light go off in my head because tracking your food should actually allow you to feel satisfied and full when you're doing it right. It shouldn't make you feel starving and restricted and feel like you need to be eating more food. And so I would say this is less of a my fitness pal or a food tracking problem and actually more of a problem with your plan. I would be really curious, what are you using to set up your calories and are they actually set up right? Because when you actually properly set up your calorie deficit, it should be a slight deficit that produces about a half a pound to two pounds of weight loss per week, depending on where you're at, but it shouldn't feel incredibly difficult to stick to. It shouldn't be incredibly difficult to manage your appetite You should be able to get full and feel satisfied and feel really good. And when you set up your calories right and you also set up your macros right, which means knowing the amount of protein and carbs and fat that your body needs, you're going to be able to actually get full if your plan is set up right. So I would say it sounds like you're doing what a lot of my clients have done, which is your calories are probably set too low every time you track. It's allowing you to get in a deficit, but you're getting in too much of a deficit. So it's impossible to stick to. You don't feel good. So that's part of the reason why you can't stick to it. And that's really the problem that's going on. Not so much the tracking, but it totally makes sense why you don't like the tracking because it's making you feel like crap and you can't actually stick to it long term. And then the last thing that I know you mentioned here is you said it becomes obsessive and I feel like I'm starving myself based on a number. And when I hear the word obsessive associated with tracking, I always bring this back to my clients and say, why are you feeling this way? Why are you feeling like you have to be so obsessive over a number? Because tracking can definitely make you a little bit crazy. And that that's a huge red flag that we need to maybe take a step back and understand our relationship to tracking. But really, when tracking is used properly, it's just a way for you to have an idea of what you're eating. And tracking is not something that has to be done every single day, every single meal. I mean, It's amazing when you're doing it every day and every meal to get your weekly calorie averages. But depending on how you're coming into this journey, your dieting history, it really sounds like your relationship to tracking is negative because of how your plan is set up, but also because it's something that you feel like you have to do to see success. And if you're not micromanaging every single calorie and every single nutrient that's going into your body, you're not going to see success. 
where once again, like I said before, tracking is a way for you to actually change your habits and change the way you're approaching food. So the the real thing that has to happen here is how can you become more mindful? What I would suggest doing is instead of putting pressure on yourself to track every single day, track every single meal, I actually want you to take a step back and do something we do inside of our programs, which is when you set your calories up and when you know how much protein you need to be eating, I want you to reverse engineer your success. So you're going to figure out how many meals and snacks you want in your day. And then from there, you're going to use tracking, not to track in the moment, but to actually plan your food ahead of time. So that way, that day you're actually eating, let's say you don't even track your calories that day. You just go off of the meal plan that you're pre-logging so you have an idea of what you need to be eating. That way you can know your portions and know what you're going to be eating for the day. However, this is going to allow you to take a step back and also focus on how you're feeling as you're eating, which is the point of what tracking is about. Tracking is a way to understand your food habits, to understand, wow, breakfast and lunch by you know dinner time, I'm only at 30 grams of protein or 40 grams of protein for the day. It's no wonder why I'm not getting full. It's no wonder why I'm not exactly where I need to be. So tracking is a way for you to understand your habits to then make educated changes. So I highly suggest trying to track your food ahead of time, taking a step back from tracking in the moment. That way you can be more present, more mindful, and focus on what really matters for you on your fitness journey. And the third question that I'm really excited to talk about today is on really how to approach weight loss with PCOS. So this woman said, I have PCOS. Do I need to truly stick to low carb? What about macros? Do I just need to focus on a calorie deficit? Basically, Lauren, what should I be doing? You know, with PCOS, I think what's really important to understand first coming from a dietitian and the hospital setting and of course, I want to make sure I'm sticking my sticking to my lane because I'm not a physician and I'm not a doctor and I don't prescribe medications. But something I see work incredibly well and that is incredibly important on your PCOS journey is, of course, there are lifestyle factors that we do need to have you tweak and change depending on what you're doing now and find what really works for you. And nutrition is huge in PCOS management. But with PCOS, you really have to get to the root cause, which doesn't mean just trying to switch things up and get into a calorie deficit, but actually creating balance in your body with your hormones, with every aspect of your health to make sure that you are actually addressing what's really going on. Now, PCOS affects many women. And although we're not quite sure what causes it, We know when women do struggle with PCOS, there are disruptions in the hormones in your body with progesterone and estrogen and all these different sex-related hormones, hence why it also impacts our periods when we have it. Now, without getting into the hormonal stuff, because that is certainly not my specialty, from a nutrition side of things, what we often see with PCOS is there is insulin resistance. So we have potential issues or dysregulation with how we metabolize and utilize carbohydrates in our body. Oftentimes there is weight gain associated with PCOS and it's like, what happened first? Did the PCOS happen and cause the weight gain? Did the weight gain influence the PCOS and the hormonal dysfunction and the blood sugar dysregulation and all of that? Who knows, right? But what I will say is with PCOS, once you address the root cause and you start addressing the hormone imbalance, That is where the lifestyle factors are going to be really supportive of this. And just rapid fire off the top of my head, I want to put those lifestyle factors into a few different areas for you because it is an absolutely holistic approach that you have to take with PCOS. And of course, to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. However, I just like with anyone, but especially if you have PCOS, you don't just want to focus on the calories. You have to focus on how you are setting up your lifestyle for you to be able to get into a calorie deficit. 
So with PCOS, what I first recommend is looking at the basic lifestyle patterns that you have, like when you're going to bed, when you're waking up in the morning, what is your sleep like? Then after sleep, I recommend looking at nutrition first. So nutrition means looking at your meals, your meal timings, and we want to create a rhythm of eating for you. I want you to actually do this before you dare talk about calories and macros and any of that stuff because we want to get on a consistent pattern eating consistent meals throughout the day. So that way we can address what you're eating in those meals. And I actually suggest focusing on what you're eating before we try to just get into a deficit and know that calorie number. Just because with PCOS, the quality of your diet is going to be really important for blood sugar management. It's important for every single woman out there, but especially for PCOS, I want to make sure you are getting healthy carbs that pack fiber on your plate before we try to eat less calories. I want you to make sure you're hitting 20 to 30 grams of protein every time you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then snacks, I want you to prioritize ensuring you have a fiber source and or a protein source so we are helping with blood sugar management. I want you to focus on having non-starchy veggies on your plate. And then lastly, I also want to make sure you are aware of healthy fat sources. Now, fat sources are going to be higher in calories, so we do have to be mindful of them once we attempt to get into a calorie deficit. However, I want to make sure you are supporting yourself with anti-inflammatory fat sources in these meals. So it's cooking with olive oil or avocado oil. It's having foods like salmon, a fatty fish. It's using things like avocados to flavor your food and get really great nourishment. It's topping your chia seed pudding, your oatmeal, your yogurt parfait with nuts or making a smoothie with nut butter. Those are some really healthy fat sources that are also incredibly helpful for your weight loss journey too. Then after you nail down all of this nutrition stuff, we can certainly begin to explore what a calorie deficit looks like, but I really like to be mindful about not being too severe with any of my clients, but especially the ones with PCOS, because we want to make sure you're eating macro balance, you're eating consistently, we're managing your blood sugar. So then when the time comes and we do want to begin to lose weight, which is the goal with so many women that have PCOS, because that is often a symptom that has kind of been triggered in you when you had the PCOS symptoms. Because you might have experienced weight gain, that is something that you're trying to change now. So the calorie deficit is important. We want to be mindful. But just like with anyone, I like a slight deficit. And how I really like to encourage this for my clients is definitely focusing on low-intensity exercise because your hormones are already in a disarray, You know, doing like these intense hit classes all the time. I'm not saying they can't work for people with PCOS, but I do find my clients that are really stuck doing more low-intensity exercise and also incorporating a lot of mindfulness and meditation and balance into their routine is really helpful because we don't want to be adding fire to the gasoline and you know causing these hormonal issues to be worse. So being able to incorporate all of these lifestyle factors is absolutely a beautiful place to start. But it is really important to understand that you don't have to be incredibly low carbohydrate or feel like you have to just get in a calorie deficit to lose weight with PCOS. In fact, a more balanced, holistic approach focusing on food quality. So you're not just cutting out carbs, but you're focusing on the types of carbs that you're eating. And you're also, of course, you know, I don't want you to overeat carbs, but when you focus on the full macros on your plate, it's going to help you be able to manage your blood sugar, manage the insulin resistance and manage your appetite. So you are able to naturally lose weight. And, you know, while some people might thrive a little bit more on a lower carbohydrate diet, definitely very low carb is not something I recommend for PCOS. And in fact, I can see that sometimes sabotage a lot of my clients because then they're not getting like the fiber and other nutrients they may need. So I know it's really horny, but balance is really important for PCOS and also meeting yourself with where your body's at. 
Also, I forgot to add this in, but with any fitness journey, but especially PCOS, because PCOS and my older clients, what you guys have in common is blood sugar management. And whenever we're talking about blood sugar management, exercise and moving your body consistently is huge, but also strength training is incredibly powerful because the more muscle you have, the easier it is to manage your blood sugar typically. So being able to do strength training, building muscle is awesome for you on your fitness journey as you're trying to manage PCOS and lose weight. That said, ladies, this is the first Real Talk with Lauren episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This was a whole bunch of fun. You know, if you love today's episode, like I said, please let me know. I really, really want to know, especially episodes like this from you guys. So tag me on your story, leave a rating and review, message me on Instagram. Just let me know. Let me in on the tea what you thought. I also want to remind you that it is not too late to submit your questions for a chance to be featured on this get advice section with me. All you have to do is head to the show notes or head to the link thesororitynutritionist.com backslash get dash advice. It's in the show notes once again. So you can submit your questions, have a chance to be on the show and get your questions answered with advice from yours truly. And if you are looking for a beautiful place to start, I also want to remind you that you can join the free webinar that I have, which is incredible for learning a lot of further information and detail on what I often talk about in a lot of these Q&A sessions, knowing the basic information on how to lose weight, how to set up your diet, what needs to tweak, what needs to change, what types of foods you should be eating, how to track your progress. All of that is covered in this super in-depth webinar. And if you are interested, that webinar link is also in the show notes below. I will see you guys next time. Hey, girlfriend, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about eating right for fat loss and never gaining weight back, I'll be continuing this party on Instagram where you can find me at sorority.nutritionist posting inspiration every single day. Also, if you're wondering where to get started on your journey, be sure to head to the sororitynutritionist.com backslash quiz to take my free quiz that will tell you why you aren't losing weight and what you can begin to do about it so you can see progress faster. You can also find any other links and resources mentioned in the show at thesororitynutritionist.com under free resources. I hope you have such a beautiful day and I will see you next time, girlfriend.